Thank you, Dave, for your willingness to share your story and uh, be pretty open and transparent about uh, brokenness, not just before, but even brokenness after that we still stumble through, right? And yet your willingness to share about the transformation that Christ brings. That's the good news that we share today is that the risen Christ brings transformation into lives and into communities, and it's the good news that we gather to share Good news that Dave has shared as a, an adult coming to faith after what he felt was many failures. That's good news. Good news. What about a junior high boy sharing his faith in church? That's good news too, isn't it? Huh? Thanks, Oliver. You're a little nervous, but he, you said it and you did it, Oliver. I appreciate that. How about a young college woman who continues to make choices to pursue her faith instead of wandering away after leaving church and leaving home? Thank you, Emily, for sharing your news too. That's good news. That's good news that God continues to be at work in the lives of his people and his children. I want to thank you all for sharing that. Today when we celebrate the good news, uh, today we celebrate the good news that's behind this good news, the good news that Christ is risen. Christ is risen. We heard it in the scripture reading earlier. Thank you, Darlene. You did a wonderful job of reading. I love the John story of the resurrection. Mary thought he was the gardener. No, he's just the Lord of the universe, but, you know, I just love that. <laughs> Mary Magdalene, from the deepness, can you imagine her sorrow and confusion that she'd followed this guy for three years, and then he's dead, and she goes to the tomb to grieve, and then this, and out he comes. And Mary Magdalene then runs forward from there and says, it says she went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. The other three gospel accounts are great too. In fact, all three of them, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all have these angels there and they say to the women at the tomb, he is not here, he has risen, just as he said. That's good news. And Jesus himself, when he began his earthly ministry, began with a, Jesus had a mission statement before it was cool to have mission statements. (laughs) And he began with a clear statement of his ministry, this message. He says, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Or repent and believe the gospel, which is a word that means good news. The kingdom of God has come near. The rule of God to make things right has come near to you in me, says Jesus. All you need to do is turn and believe this good news of new life. But today I'm going to ask a hard question and say, do we really believe that it is still good news? Do we really experience it as good news? Good news. Is it really Some of what I share now comes from a book by Rick Richardson, who's on evangelism faculty at Wheaton College. The book is called Reimagining Evangelism. And Rick notes that the reality is that in our post-Christian culture, and we are in a post-Christian culture, people see the gospel as neither good nor news. The word gospel may only refer to a style of music. Or it might go back in history to a a style of evangelism, of a tent meeting and old hymns and songs and perhaps a a stirring up of emotional response and maybe even emotional excess gospel. That's what gospel is. And what many of those who are far from God may see in Christians and churches only serves to push them farther away. What many have seen in, in the response of the church and people who call themselves Christians is more likely bad news. The bad news of legalism, the bad news of judgmentalism, the bad news of exclusivity, the bad news of misusing power, the bad news of focusing on too much and misusing the power of money. And all of this sends people away 
and does not see anything good or newsworthy about what we call the gospel. But even among believers now, when you get down to reality, believers aren't always so sure the gospel is all that good or all that new either. We may believe it, but sometimes it simply feels old and dogmatic. It seems like something from a different era, and it lacks a freshness, and it lacks a life. It is a gospel, but it is no longer fresh and alive. And so, for some, it doesn't seem to have much to say that's compelling about life in this world today. It doesn't have much to say that truly gives hope for the brokenness in the world today. Rick Richardson says that's because we have reduced the good news. We have come up with a smaller version of the good news. We've reduced it to sin management and a promise of heaven. Now, those are true. That Jesus does enable us to to manage this curse of sin that we have and to triumph over it through grace in Him and learn to live that way. And there is the promise of life forever. We rejoice in those truths, but that's not all of it. (laughs) If we only look to those dimensions and if we only look at our Christian life as an individualistic thing, we become self-focused and we're managing our relationship with Jesus. We're managing this sin and we have this hope of what will happen when we die. And sometimes we can reduce our faith to, what can Jesus do for me today? What does Jesus need to fix in me today? Richardson says, in this particular, in particular, reduced good news is about dealing with guilt, securing our future destiny after we die, and receiving a domesticated Jesus who meets all our needs. What's missing in this version of good news? What is the really good news? The really good news is that God is about the work of setting all things right. Not just what's going on in here, but what's going on in this world. God is in the business of setting all things right. That's what makes it really good news. I'm going to read from Richardson, page 119. He says this, When Jesus announced the good news of the kingdom, which is the inbreaking of the dynamic rule of God to set all things right. Get that? The kingdom of God is a dynamic rule of God to set all things right. He wasn't talking only about what would happen after people died. He was talking about the personal and social transformation that had begun with his coming. The good news was good because God was setting all things right. The good news is that we do have eternal life, but it's not going to be in some faraway place in heaven. It's going to be right here on earth. Scripture promises that when Christ comes back, he makes a whole new heaven and earth right here. But did you know that when he came forth from the tomb on resurrection day, the restoration started that day? The restoration and the renewal that God brings started with the resurrection, and it goes on even to this day until Christ comes again. And it continues on in us, and it continues on through us. God is setting all things right. And that's what gives us the hope of transformation. The hope of transformation. It begins in this relationship with Jesus. Oliver and Emily mentioned that Dave spoke of this new relationship with Jesus that changed everything. It begins in this relationship with Jesus who died to forgive sins and heal our brokenness. Jesus, who overcame evil and rose to new life, is able to empower and transform our lives now and bring change. That's the transformation that can happen in each of us. And then he invites us to work together to impact the lives of others. I don't know if you noticed the the tagline for our Windy City project. This is our little brochure that we stuck in your bulletin. 
We said in Naperville, too, because we're not just going to Chicago. We're doing things in Naperville, and you can read the thing. But at the bottom there, it says, working to transform lives and community. In fact, I underlined it. Go. There. (laughs) Working to transform lives. We're not going to transform lives and communities. We're just people. But we're going to work together with Jesus. We're going to work together through the power of the Spirit to hopefully bring some amount of transformation in the people we impact here in Naperville and those that we work with in North Lawndale and Chicago. Working with God to fix what's broken inside of people as people come to faith and then working in this culture, in this social setting to try to fix what's broken here too. To work with our friends at a local public school where even in Naperville, even where we have some of the top schools in the state of Illinois and perhaps, perhaps in, the, in the country, even here there are inequities and there are problems built into our social system where some don't get as much as others. Some are falling behind in test scores, not because their parents aren't haranguing them enough, but because of the dynamics of our culture and issues of poverty right a mile away from our church. And so we're trying to address some of those inequities through the love to make that right in our partnership through barbecue and books and some of the work that we're doing, even with the proceeds of our garage sale at the end of the summer. We're trying to partner with God to fix some things and transform some things that aren't right, even here in Naperville. In DuPage County, we partner with Bridge Community to try to get some people out of the endless cycle of homelessness to get them on their feet, not with a handout, but with counseling and hard work of weekly mentoring to make it right for them in DuPage County, one of the wealthiest counties in the country. But we go to North Lawndale, too, the second most violent neighborhood in Chicago. First of all, because we just love our friends at Wyman, and they're great buddies. They're so much fun to hang out with. They come and celebrate Christmas with us here. But we're going to go in and work with them again. And I was so excited. I, I don't know if some of you are maybe on the mailing list for Wyman. I'll share my copy of the newsletter with you. But on the front page, just this, a couple weeks ago, this came out. Michael Trout shares a story of how they've come together with four other organizations in North Lawndale to begin to address the violence in their neighborhood. And he says here, this almost brought tears to my eye. The culmination of our year's work will come this summer as we launch together the nation's first, all in capital letters, the nation's first restorative justice community court here in Lawndale. That's making things right in a terribly broken neighborhood. And it comes empowered by the work of Jesus Christ in and through them. And we get the privilege, not of telling them what to do, but coming and watching them and going, wow, how can we partner with you and work with you? Does that sound old and dogmatic and lacking in freshness in life? <laughs> Not to me. That's good news. That's stuff that's happening right now. That's transformation that's happening right now. And that is good news. Good news. The good news and the, the big story. I want to show you just a short video. It's only three minutes. A short video where James Chung, James Chung is a pastor, he's an author. He's the National Director of Evangelism for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which means he's a pretty smart guy. But he explains the story of salvation in a very simple and engaging way to tell the good news of this story that continues to be good news of transformation. Let's watch the video together. Tell me what the world's like. When you turn on the news, what do you see? Between all the violence and war and terrorism and the AIDS pandemic and global warming, we've got to say our world's pretty messed up. What's interesting is how we feel about that. Uh, None of us think that that's a great thing. All of us long and ache for a better world. Well, isn't that interesting? Because hunger seems to point to the fact that food exists and 
thirst points to the fact that water or drink exists. So our longing and aching for a better world seems to point to the fact that either a better world did exist or will one day exist. Well, in the Christian worldview, we believe it did. And that uh, back in the day, um, God designed it so that the planet took care of us and we took care of it and we took care of each other. And God took care of us and we blessed Him back. And that the whole thing was designed for good. So how did we get here? Well, we decided that we were going to run the show. And when we started chasing our own needs above caring for other people or the planet, we started damaging the planet, we started damaging our relationship with each other, and ultimately we damaged our relationship with God so that the whole thing was damaged by evil. Well, it's great that God actually loves the planet and us too much to leave us that way. So even in our brokenness, in the Christian worldview 2,000 years ago, God came as Jesus. And in that, he started to teach us a better way to live and began to tell us about this thing called the reign of God, where all the good things that's supposed to happen actually do. And so he taught us, and in his death, all this crap died with him so that three days later, when he came back to life, there's new life possible throughout everything, throughout the planet, in us, and with each other. And so everything is being restored for better. Well, then what's our response? Well, in this world, that's still messed up. Jesus is starting a revolution, and he's asking us to be healed ourselves in Jesus' name, to be healed in each other, and to go out and heal the planet and that our mission is to be sent together to heal. Now how come I can't just jump from here to here? This sounds great. Well, the world's problems are infinite and we're gonna get overwhelmed trying to take care of this on our own. We actually need Jesus' resources so that we can become the kind of good that we wanna see on the planet. And that's crucial. So where are you? Are you here where you think the world is peachy? Or here, overwhelmed by the world's problems? Or are you here, got some sense of God working in your life, but not involved in his mission? Or you're here, you're trying to actually make this world a better place, relationships and you and everything, but have a hard time finding how God fits into the picture. Where are you? Easy, huh? <laughs> it's a little bit of a different way, perhaps, to look at the good news. And I want to work with that outline for just a few minutes here. In fact, I've written some of these next four points down in that little insert that's in your bulletin that may get easily tossed, but you might want to hang on to this part too, a simple description of of finding Christ and working towards his transformation. It makes the news good news, I think. First of all, we say that God is good and God is beautiful. The good news starts with the great news about the character of God, that he is good, he is generous, he is powerful, and he is an intervening presence in the world. God designed the world for good and for beauty. And God created you and me, created us to be in a life-giving relationship with him that was good. That's the good news, that God created a world and relationships that are good and beautiful. But number two says that God tells us the truth about our brokenness. Something happened where it got broken. And what happened was that we chose to do life on our own. And Chung describes that as moving away, moving away from God. We chose to do life on our own apart from the life-giving presence of God. And this allowed evil uh, a lot of room and space to, to damage creation. This allowed evil space and room to damage relationships, 
to distance us from God, to turn us inward. And that's what's wrong with the world, basically, that evil damaged the world and damaged people. It's what's wrong with the world, but rather than destroy us and wipe us out, God tells us the truth about our brokenness. He tells us the parts that we're responsible for and the parts that we're not responsible for. And he confronts us with it not to banish us or to shame us, but to restore us. God confronts us with the truth about our lives in order to restore us. He chooses not to treat our sins as we deserve, but he chooses to extend grace and forgiveness in and through Jesus, the risen living Jesus. This is why God shows us the reasons why our lives are not working as we hoped they would. He shows us in order to restore us. Sin and evil are the bad news, and God calls us to face our part in that. But the good news is that God makes a way for forgiveness and restoration. And that brings us to number three, that God restores relationships with him and with others. In Jesus, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, in the ongoing presence of Jesus, God begins this work of restoration and healing. God begins this work. And so we begin with a healed, restored relationship with him, which does include sin management in heaven, by the way. We get heaven thrown in, too. The restored relationship leads us, though, into a hope-filled way to heal broken relationships with each other now. And it's based on grace, forgiveness, humility, and love. God treats us with grace, forgiveness, humility, and love. And he works that in us so that we can treat others with that as well. That's how relationships get restored and heal. And as we've already heard, that's not quite everything, though. Number four is God invites us on an adventure to make all things new. God invites us on an adventure to make all things new. An impossible task on our own. And as James Chung said there, he said, this is hard to do on our own. The world is overwhelming. But new life is possible. But we need the resources of Jesus. And we have them. This is where the news is good and relevant. This is where the news is good and relevant in bringing the love, grace, and hope of Jesus to bear in every relationship in one way or another. And bringing God's power and this sort of make things right justice into the broken places in our world, in our culture, and even right here in our own community. We have meaningful and significant work to do, people. Let's see this as an adventure and not as an overwhelming to-do list. (laughs) But an adventure of following Jesus and working to transform lives and communities. That is really good news. That is front-burner, let's-get-going stuff, isn't it? This is not old-time, dusty dogmatics and theology. That's part of it. But the life is in the action and in trusting Jesus. And so what will we do with all this on Easter 2017? I realize this is my 30th Easter sermon in a row. And it's not an old one that I dug out. I mean, that's not to win any awards. It's like... (laughs) <laughs> and some of you might be going, tell that guy to retire. But, you know, uh, this is a joy. This, this is what excites me today. Because it's real and I see it happening. And so I invite you to consider how you might respond today. For some, this whole thing of following Christ, or as Dave talked about his decision, it might have triggered something. And you might be at, at, at bullet number one that says here, I'm intrigued. And I'd like to explore this good news some more before jumping in. Sometimes it's as simple as praying a prayer to receive Jesus, but a lot of times it takes a little more work and learning, and that's okay. Let me know afterwards if you'd like to talk about it. 
or talk to Pastor Diana. The second one here is maybe you are ready and maybe I am ready to take responsibility for my part in the brokenness and to turn to Jesus and begin a transforming relationship and a journey. Not just my sins are forgiven, I'm going to hell. My sins are forgiven, I'm going to heaven, not going to hell. But I want to make a difference in this adventure now. Maybe that's where you are. And if you're there, let us know or write it on the card in front of you and, and, and be in touch with us. I think maybe many are in the room are the third bullet, though. I believe. I believe in God. I have a sense of God working in my life. I've seen some things. I've, I, I've had some spiritual experiences. But, but now, now I'm ready to move out for myself to join this adventure and get involved in his good news mission of healing and restoring. And so you might be aware of the relationships that you want to work on. Other people from whom you're perhaps distanced or people that you know are far away from God, but you really need to initiate a relationship now. Not to just dump the gospel on them, but to get to know them. Maybe that's where you are in this one, of of this adventure, of seeing God change lives now. Or maybe it's the second one saying, I I really need to get engaged with what's happening in, in working with kids, with working with adults, with working with youth, or getting some of these ministries that are reaching out in the community. Or maybe the third bullet, when we think of transforming communities as people transformed by Jesus, the causes I will research and invest in, the ones that touch my heart locally, the ones that touch my heart in the city of Chicago, perhaps, the ones that touch my heart in the Democratic Republic of Congo, for many of us who have sponsored children there, so much that needs to be made right over there. And we've got to do more than send our $40 a month. But maybe that's where you are now, taking a step in the direction of the adventure. But it starts on Resurrection Day when Jesus came forth to the tomb. The work of restoration, of making all things right, began that day. And Jesus invites us to partner with him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the good news that you are alive. And you weren't only alive that day when you came forth and kind of blew Mary away, but you are alive today, Lord. You are at work in my life. You are at work in the lives of each person in this room. And you are calling us and inviting us to be on this adventure where the good news really, really is good news. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in your name. Amen.